you don't know where you are, you're at Sweat Memorial Baptist Church. Give God the praise and glory for what a great day in this house, I tell you. What a great day. I like to begin with things, probably I ought to just cut to the chase a little quicker, but we always thrilled to have Justin with us to play. And I always like to say something offhand to him. And today, Justin, my word is to you is, if you break it, you buy it, okay? <laughs> wow, we love Justin when you come by. Thank you, thank you. And also, a while ago, it was being made very clear that if you could not see your children, feel free to move around. So I want to say to you that if you can see me and don't want to, feel free to get up and move around, okay? <laughs> see if you can find a place in here where you can't see what's going on. All right, to the, to the wonderful Word of God, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. And looking today at verses 18 through 25, and to share, and as I mentioned a moment ago, we are looking at in an uh, informal series, but began last Sunday morning with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and it really touched my heart. Last Sunday night, John the Baptist, the one to prepare the way for the coming of Christ, Joseph, you see the title here, Jesus' earthly father. Jesus' earthly father. And I want to read the verses 18 through 25, and then we will do what we've done the past couple of Sundays on this, the takeaway, the practical application, the spiritual truths of the story of Christmas. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Last week, we looked at in Gospel of Luke, of the angel appearing to Mary, making her aware of what was about to happen. And it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife, did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Wow, how beautiful the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray, as I heard a minister this morning that I was listening to, praying that as you have spoken to my heart, I pray, I believe that I'm on track in the Spirit, and I pray for that special anointing of presenting your Word that it might be received in all of our hearts, enrich our lives, guide us in the way of light and life, Forgive us of our sins in the precious name of Jesus, Emmanuel, we pray, amen. I share at the very beginning here 
that which I have a comfort level here that I have struggled with in getting ready for this message uh, and presenting it, and that is, you know, a message needs to be illustrated, and I use illustrations, and, and I get them from several sources. <clears throat> Some come from the stories of the Bible themselves, <clears throat> excuse me. Some from uh, life as we experience it. Some from uh, other preachers that when I read their material, I can see the uh, illustrations there. But there are times when I am led to illustrate out of my own personal life. And sometimes I'm a little uncomfortable with that because I think people might say, well, you know, he's a preacher and we're not, so that doesn't apply to us. But here's what I, I want to give this up front. That is, these illustrations are personal as we go through this message of the takeaways. But I pray that you will take them as we come to them as a tribute to my wife and as a tribute to my parents. These illustrations are not a pattern. And the illustrations will be on parenting, will be on the parents of Jesus, will be on the marriage of Mary and Joseph. It's not a pattern that you have to follow. We did not, pattern, we did not parent our children the way our parents parented us. And I can tell you, my children are not parenting their children the way I parented them. Amen? So this is not a pattern, and it was not perfect, but there are principles in play in the marriage of Mary and Joseph, in their parenting that I was privileged to experience and in some way pass on. So I'm praying that you will gather up the principles here. These are the takeaways of the family that the father placed his son in. So here are the takeaways as I look at them. The first thing here in this passage of scripture that applies also to Mary, and that is true religion is a personal relationship with God and not a ritual. And this is kind of a correction or a shift of interest, uh, emphasis. And in that verse 20 that I read, the angel, the, the, there's an angel appearing to Joseph. An angel appeared to Mary. An angel appeared to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And I have said often through the years in preaching the difference between religion and relationship. And that Christianity is a personal relationship with Almighty God. But in looking at this, I think, okay, I don't need to sell anything short here. Here is what I would want to contribute at this point and pray that if you want to make a little note, that is, let us not be mistaken, Christianity is a religion a theology, a focus, an understanding of God. It is a massive, major faith emphasis around the world. Now, how we live out that religion is it can either spin off into ritual, going through the motions, nothing personal about it. We're the same when we leave here as when we got here. And that's what has become of many religions around the world, and it is a ritual. But Christianity, at its best, at its heart, is a relationship. It is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
Now, we could give all kinds of biblical illustrations, but let me just give two of the greatest. That is, of, of the beginning in the book of Genesis, Abraham. Abraham had a personal relationship with God and is known to this day as what? A friend of God. He was not perfect, but he was a friend of God. And then King David, absolutely not perfect, but he is known to this day as a man, what? After the heart of God. It is obvious that with angels showing up, angels making announcements to Mary, to Joseph, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, it is obvious that their religion is not a ritual, it is a personal relationship with Almighty God. If you understand that, say amen. Half of you do and half of you don't, amen, no. But I wanna be sure that we, I mean, this just, these kind of things don't just happen to anybody. They happen to people who are in a love, personal, sold out relationship with Almighty God. Amen. That's the first takeaway. I love my children. I love my children here. But the second thing then, we move into the heart of it, and that is, this is the way the Lord moved this passage on me. And that is, when God calls one, He calls a team. Mary was not left out there by herself. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary, God had already put a team in place. And that team was, it began with the Holy Spirit. It began with that angel that appeared to her. It began to that Holy Spirit who placed that child within her. It was with angels. There was Mary. She was given Joseph to be with her. At the birth of Jesus, the shepherds came and read again sometime in Luke 2, and we will be looking at them later. When they came to see Jesus on the actual night of his birth, it says that everywhere they went, they told people about him. And then, as our narrator said, it could be at least two years later before the wise men got there. And I left out John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a part of the team. Jesus had family, he had friends. When he launched his ministry, and I had someone ask me the, in typing this, what are those numbers? Those are your winning lottery numbers this week. I just wanted you to know, okay? But Jesus, when he launched his ministry, had 12 disciples. There was a team, God gave him a team. He didn't leave us out there on our own. He had three that were very close to him, Peter, James, and John. And then he added 70 to the group, and then after his ascension in the upper room, there were 120 faithful, heart faithful people. And read it again, about two thirds of the way through the passage, it will tell you in that upper room, one of them there was Mary, the mother of Jesus. The Holy Spirit fell upon those 120. And after a couple of days, they became 5,000. And let me tell you, glory to God, Worldwide, there are 2.4 billion Christians in the world. Give God the glory and praise for that. But guess what? There's over 7 billion people in the world. And I pray, I pray that you will read the prayer guide for Lottie Moon Christmas offering that you will give faithfully 
as it indicates, there's 4.6 billion people in the world that are unreached for Jesus Christ. But when God calls us, He gives us a team. We are not out there by ourselves. Now, here's where it gets personal. I believe that when God called me to preach, I believe that when God called me to preach, that a part of that team or the team was composed of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit placed upon my parents' heart when they got married to pray that God would give them a son who was a preacher. That was before I was ever even ready, you know. And the Holy Spirit gave me parents with a heart for God. The Holy Spirit placed me in a church in Rome, Georgia that was just perfect for me. Nurtured me, taught me, brought me up, prepared me for what I do, and then gave me a pastor, Max Tucker. I celebrate him to this day. He is 92 years old. And I noticed in my missed calls where he tried to call me the other day, I've got to call him back. God, I believe like Jeremiah, I was called before I was ever in my mother's womb to be a preacher of the gospel. This is not about me. This is not about me because I'm going to talk about God's call on your life. And he prepared a team to help nurture me. And then to that team, he added Charlotte, my wife, of 46 years. This December the 20th would have been 53 years. I have been fascinated by a book by Rosen and Frazine, I can't remember their first names, entitled Decision Making in the Will of God. They do a debate as to how do you understand God's individual will. Is God's individual will a dot, only one way? Or is it a circle with multiple choices? Now, in my heart, I believe in the dot understanding there is only one way. And I believe with all of my heart that when God, now, just listen to me. If y'all need to usher me off, just be gentle. But I believe when God called me to preach, glory to God, little known of a young lady in Smyrna, Georgia, Charlotte Morrison, he called her to be my wife. I believe that, and I get chill bumps when I think about it. She didn't know it, or she'd have run for the hills, I'm telling you. But I believe that God called her. Now, it's not like I didn't have any choices. I mean, look at me. They were lined up. I really only had two. One was a volunteer. I kid you not. While I was in college, a high school girl in my high school class called my mother and said, tell William the next time he's home to give me a call. I'd make a perfect preacher's wife. I ain't called her to this day. I got news for you. <laughs> the other choice was a draftee, and God drafted Charlotte to be my wife. He called her, I believe that, and the meeting, and I need to stay on track here. I was in my sophomore year at Mercer. She was coming into her freshman year. All of us, as new groups would come in, we would make people aware that we had certain books that we had that we would sell to, you know, get rid of. 
Last thing I needed was a calculus book. I got news for you. That's the last thing I needed. Or a biology book or a Spanish book or something. Well, I sold a book to a young man. And in the first, in the first week, he came up to me and introduced me to this beautiful blue-eyed blonde that they had met during rat week, new freshman class getting acquainted, Charlotte Morrison from Smyrna, Georgia. And she'd been to the bookstore and they were out of a certain book. And he came and wanted to know if I had that book. Brought her, we met outside the student center. And I said, yeah, I have that book, but I don't, I don't sell those books. Those are, those are in my major. It was the history of Israel by Harry Orlinsky. And I looked at her and I couldn't help myself. So I said to her, you can borrow it, but don't turn the pages down and don't spill coffee on it. I had to marry her to get the book back. And every page was turned down and there's coffee spilled all over it. But so, there you go. And then the next thing I know, I'm eating three meals a day with her because my best friend is dating her roommate. What are the odds? And then we came up to Christmas time, and I've never been, never dated or, you know, just too awkward and lack of self-confidence, but we were having the ministerial banquet, and I thought, I, I, I want to take somebody. So I asked her. She said, yes. And she reminded me for 46 years that she nearly backed out because, she said, I thought I could stand one preacher but a room full, that is just asking way too much, you know? And the rest, history. And I believe that God called her to be a part of a team. A gentleman in First Baptist Avondale Estates would often say, God has given this church everything it needs to do what he has called us to do. I want you to know that if God is calling you, if God is calling you, he will equip you, friends. You can step out by faith. You can move into a servant role in this church, a servant role, and he will take care of you. You will not be left out there in the wind. And I want to tell you this, if God calls you, obviously we need you. Amen? So, when God calls one, he calls a team. Mary was not out there by themselves. Jesus was not out there by themselves. They were surrounded by a team. I want to look at point three. Out of this, marriage is a partnership. Joseph and Mary did everything together. Joseph, after the dream, verse 24 and 25 of this passage, he took Mary to his wife. Together, they parented Jesus. Together, they gave up a lot, and that's going to come in the next point. But marriage is a partnership. So here I mention Charlotte again. And like I say, this is personal. It's a tribute. It's not a pattern. We're not perfect. But there are principles. Charlotte, I don't think she realized when we got married, that she was a minister. Absolutely. And we believe in our faith that every believer is a minister. You've got a ministry. 
God has something for you to do. Why ain't you doing it? Amen? Everywhere we went, she found her place in the life of that church. And I'll always remember when we went to Central Baptist, way back yonder, the pulpit committee, we were up in Louisville, Kentucky then. We came down here to Waycross, never, never heard of Waycross. And my parents, you're not going to like it down there. I said, why? And they said, that's South Georgia. There's all them gnats. And you grew up in the mountains. You ain't going to like it down there. Well, nearly 30 years later, I can't get out of here, you know. This is home for me. But we had a pulpit committee meeting, and they had arranged for some people to show Charlotte around Waycross. Now, it didn't take long, I can tell you that right now. And they asked me when we met, I, they said, do you have any questions before we start? And I said, yes, because I've, I've always been a champion for women, racial champion, don't discriminate against anybody. I said, I want to know why my wife's not here this morning. And they looked at me and said, we wanted to see how you could do without your best asset. <laughs> Isn't that something? We went to First Baptist Blackshear years later. She found her role immediately. And within the first week or two, I had a deacon come in my office and he looked at me and, and Charlotte was up and down the hall and running the Sunday school and doing everything. And he said, you know what? I just can't believe when we got you, we got her too, you know? A partner. Marriage is a partnership. It's a partnership. Number four. In that, parenting is a priority. Mary and Joseph made Jesus their priority. They got into this because they had a personal relationship with God. He gave them a team. He made them a partnership. And they committed themselves to parenting as a priority. In Matthew chapter 2, their lives became in danger. The safety of Jesus was paramount. And they fled to Egypt and stayed there. We don't know exactly how long we could figure it out the best we can from historical records until Herod died who was looking to kill whoever this king of the Jews was. Finally, they were able to get back home to Nazareth and there they devoted themselves to Jesus. Now, once again, remember, this is a tribute. This is to my parents. This is not a pattern. I didn't follow that pattern. My kids didn't exactly follow it. But we were very much impressed by it. I was born, as many of you know, in Rabin County, Clayton, Georgia. It's 1949, if you want to figure it up. I'm 63. Somewhere, I don't have any remembrance, around two and a half years of age, I know we left Rabin County. Daddy was Georgia Power Company. Power Company was growing. They moved him from that hydroelectric plant down in the bottom of Tallulah Gorge to Milledgeville to Sinclair Dam where they were opening up a new power plant there. I don't remember hardly anything about the first, well, I don't remember anything about the first two and a half years of my life, but my brother was born uh, two years and three months behind me, and I do remember looking at him uh, in a bassinet. 
one day. That's about all I can remember. I can remember the little house we were in in Milledgeville, but not long after that, they opened up Plant Hammond, a huge coal-fired plant in Rome, Georgia, and we went there, and there I entered the first grade in 1955, five years old, a child prodigy, I want you to know. All right? Some of that just went right over your head. So, and then I graduated from high school. Daddy, they spent 22 years there. I graduated from high school in 67, went off to college, got married, never lived back in Rome. But in 1975, mom and dad moved back to Clayton. And I'll always remember, I was there when he bought the property, up in Clayton, we were in Clayton, when he bought the property, he was like a child. And I went to the courthouse with him for the deed and all of that. He was like a child. And I asked him, I said, Daddy, I said, if you love it so much here, why did you ever move away? He said, your mother and I, partnership, did not feel like you boys had much opportunity in Raven County. Now that was 70-something years ago. And the opportunities were not there in his mind for his mind in that small little mountain town. He made us a priority. We're gonna leave our home because we want every advantage possible for you. Years later, when I was pastoring First Baptist Avondale Estates, I had quite a few uh, Georgia Power Company executives or main office people there. They knew Daddy was, you know, been working with the power company still at that time. And one of them said, the next time your daddy's in town, so give me a call, come downtown to the big office on Piedmont, I think it was. We'll go around, give them a tour of the building, we'll have lunch in the president's dining room. I thought, what a great thing I can do for my dad. So he came and we went, and we went all through that building and just about everybody there knew my dad because they'd started out ground level with the power company in a plant and under my dad's leadership. We had lunch in the president's dining room and on the way back to my house in Stone Mountain, I'm just, you know, you'll never know if you don't ask these questions even though they may be inappropriate. And I said, Dad, I said, just about everybody in that big office building knew you why didn't you ever go there? And he said to me, son, in the power company, to move up, you have to move around. The second time he said to me, your mother and I, partnership, felt like Rome was the perfect place to raise you boys. And so we stayed right there. Once we all got up big enough, back to Clayton they went. Isn't that something? Back to Clayton they went. Your mother and I decided. Now, here's where I always emphasize this is not a pattern. I come along, Mary, I have kids. We live here, we live there, we live there, we do this church, we do that church. But I'm telling you, every move, God was in it and it was a family decision. It was a family decision and my girls thrill at the life that we had in the churches. 
Parenting is a priority, a priority. And we have to do what is best for the entire family unit and especially for our children. And they did that for Jesus. I hope this means something to y'all. It does to me. We're learning from Mary and Joseph here. And the last is, you never go wrong when you go right. That Proverbs 22, verse 6, is the name of our children's ministry, 226. Station 226, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. James Dobson says that's not a promise, but it's a probability. But I'm telling you that if you don't raise them up in the way they should go, it sure is not going to happen then. And Galatians is that passage where that if whatsoever we sow, that shall we reap. And how we parent, how we marry, how we do family is definitely going to show up in some way in the generations to come. And my parents knew when it was time to get out of here. You know what I mean? Charlotte and I had just gotten married. We were students at Mercer. We got a little three-room apartment on the back of an old house. We were coming home from class one day. Just as we were turning in the drive, a driver, not paying attention, ran into the back of the car, shook us up. We were a nervous wreck. Got, no, nobody was hurt, got the car pulled in. First thing I did was go call Daddy. And so I told Daddy, I said, Daddy, we've had, we've had a little fender bender here. And he says, everybody okay? And I said, yeah. Quote, well, son, these things happen. <laughs> you might want to use that one day. <laughs> well, son, these things happen. Charlotte's there, and she, I hung up, and she said, what did he say? I said, he said, well, son, these things happen. And she looked at me, and then I said, and that's the last time I'll ever call him. <laughs> and in his mind, it's mission accomplished. Don't be calling me. You're married. You're out there. You got a little problem. Don't be calling me about it. I got you ready for this. Jesus had a good mother and father. I had a good mother and father. I feel like Charlotte and I were good parents. My Suzanne and Sarah are good parents. But remember, once a parent, always a parent. And if one of my kids called me today and needed me, I'd be gone in a heartbeat. I'm just a practical guy. This is the family that God put Jesus into. And I think that there are some takeaways for us in our families. I pray so. James comes to lead us in a hymn of invitation. And I pray that if you've never accepted Christ, that you will. And you'll come and share that so that you can be the spouse, the parent.